Hi, thanks for listening to Top Audiobooks. Remember to follow our channel here on the platform, and also our social media. We prepare a graphic of the book, with the author's key points and main ideas. Click that book graphic link in description now, and have access to an illustrated material with simple and easy steps, so you know everything about the book in minutes. listening to the book summary presentation of Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking by Susan Cain. Narrated by Barbara Fernandez. Many people believe that to be an achiever or a great leader, you must be action-oriented, outgoing, and aggressive. That is, you must be an extrovert. In this book, Kane explains why this perspective is flawed, why introverts may be severely undervalued, and how we can bring out the best in ourselves and others by changing the way we see introversion. In this summary, we've distilled and reorganized the key ideas from the book into three parts. Understanding introversion and extroversion, debunking the extrovert ideal, and Living, Loving, and Working Optimally Part 1. Understanding Introversion and Extroversion There is no universally accepted definition of an introvert or an extrovert. However, psychologists generally agree that they differ in three key ways. They function optimally with different levels of outside stimulation. They work differently and they have different social styles. No one is a pure introvert or extrovert. Our inborn temperaments can be changed to some extent, and we also behave differently depending on the circumstances. Now, let's take a closer look at each of three key differences between the two personality types. First, introverts and extroverts respond differently to environmental stimuli. The amygdala in our brain is like an emotional switchboard. It takes in sensory information and uses these inputs to tell our body how to respond. You can guess a child or infant's natural temperaments by observing his or her reactions. Those with an excitable amygdala will react more wildly to new people and objects and think and feel more deeply about what they've noticed. Our temperaments affect how we interact with our environment to shape our adult personality. An extroverted child raised in a safe, attentive environment can grow up to have a huge personality like Tony Robbins or Oprah Winfrey. However, the same child raised in a dangerous environment without constructive outlets may end up in delinquency. The ORCID hypothesis by David Dobbs says that children with highly reactive amygdala are like orchids. They're more strongly affected by both positive and negative experiences. Hence, they wilt easily and may tip into depression or anxiety if they experience challenges like abuse or parental death. However, with good parenting and a stable environment, they can become exceptionally empathic, 
caring individuals who thrive in the areas they care about. Second, introverts and extroverts work and think differently. Extroverts tend to act quickly and sometimes rashly, are more comfortable with risks and multitasking, and are driven by the thrill of pursuing rewards like money and status. Introverts tend to work more slowly and deliberately, focus on one task at a time, and are relatively less attracted to wealth and fame. This is partially due to differences in rewards sensitivity. Extroverts tend to be more rewards sensitive, that is, they're stimulated by achieving economic, political, and hedonistic goals. This gives them the energy to work hard, play hard, and take risks. However, people who are too sensitive to rewards may get carried away. For example, become so excited about possible stock market winnings that they overlook the warning signals. On the other hand, introverts are less rewards sensitive. They're more likely to have a plan and stick to it since they're better at regulating their emotions and delaying gratification. When it comes to problem solution, extroverts naturally focus on what's in front of them and direct most of their cognitive capacity to the current goal. They're action-oriented, are more likely to take shortcuts, or abandon a problem if it gets too frustrating. When extroverts make a mistake, they often try to bulldoze their way through by speeding up rather than slowing down. On the other hand, introverts prefer to contemplate, imagine possibilities, and make plans for their future. They tend to think of the what-ifs, study the data thoroughly, and think before they act. They typically downplay rewards and persevere slowly but steadily on a task. Extroverts are therefore better at handling information overload, pressure, and multitasking, while introverts are better at solving complex problems through clarity, patience, and persistence. Third, introverts and extroverts have different social skills and needs. Extroverts need company and dislike solitude. They tend to talk more than listen, are comfortable mingling with large groups of people, never seem to run out of things to say, and may even blurt things out unintentionally. They prefer to confront conflict head-on and respond well to competition and aggression. Introverts prefer deep, meaningful discussions and one-to-one -one interactions, ideally with close friends, colleagues, and family. They enjoy solitude, listen more than talk, consider their responses carefully, and dislike small talk and conflict. In fact, introverts' sensitivity may show up physically, such as blushing or perspiring when they're flustered. These traits are actually socially valuable as they convey humility, a desire to avoid aggression, and abide by social rules. Introverts also prefer to avoid conflict and respond better to nurturing, friendly people. No one is a pure introvert or extrovert, and we may behave differently depending on the circumstances. You can't change your inborn temperaments, but you can learn to control your impulses 
and thus stretch your personality to some degree. The prefrontal cortex is the part of your brain that helps you to plan, analyze, and make logical deductions. It can also moderate the impulses of your amygdala. When your sensitive amygdala reacts wildly to something new, your prefrontal cortex can intervene to soothe these impulses, such as rationalizing that you can handle the novelty. That's why an introvert can learn to overcome his shyness and an extrovert can learn to be quiet. The free trait theory by Professor Brian Little also suggests that although we have fixed personality traits, we sometimes act out of character, especially when it comes to core personal projects, that is, work, tasks, or people that are especially important to us. An introvert who's usually soft-spoken may become unusually passionate or excited about something that he or she cares deeply about. However, we cannot switch off the amygdala or our true nature. We merely suppress it. Our natural discomfort still surfaces in the amygdala, and practice and training only affects how quickly our prefrontal cortex can neutralize the impulses. It's therefore strenuous to constantly act out of character and we can become overstretched like a rubber band. We've just covered the differences between introversion and extroversion and how we can partially stretch our personality. We'll now move on to part two, debunking the extrovert ideal. Today, management and cultural norms in America favor extroversion over introversion. However, both personality types have their strengths and are vital for success. Extroversion wasn't always a cultural ideal. In the past, the focus was on character with associated concepts like honor, discipline, and integrity. The word personality didn't even exist in English until the 18th century. With the growth of the self-help industry, Americans became increasingly interested in ways to become more popular, influential, confident, and competitive. Commercial ads played up the advantages of being bold, charming, outspoken, and gregarious, as opposed to being shy and inconspicuous. By the 20th century, the prevailing belief is that the ideal self is someone who's assertive, sociable, and comfortable being in the spotlight. Kane calls this the extrovert ideal. To research how the extrovert ideal is manifested in modern society, Kane personally visited, researched, and observed many prominent individuals and institutions. Here are three key highlights. At Tony Robbins' Unleash the Power Within experience, Kane found herself surrounded by loud music, cheering, adrenaline-pumping sessions, and dramatic challenges like walking on hot coals. Robbins was the perfect embodiment of power and the superior mind, brimming with energy, confidence, and a larger-than-life presence. His belief and energy was so infectious that the audience accepted his aggressive upselling and happily snapped up whatever he pitched. Likewise, students at the Harvard Business School are taught that leaders act confidently and can make decisions with incomplete information. 
Students walk with purpose and confidence, communicate with energy, dress sharply, and are expected to be vocal and attend social functions regularly to build a huge network. Kane had a different experience at the Evangelical Saddleback Church where she met with Pastor Adam McHugh. As an introvert, McHugh initially struggled with public expectations that a pastor should be enthusiastic, warm, and mingle regularly with people in the community. The growth of social media gave him and other introverts an alternative channel to engage other evangelists. McHugh has since been advocating a more balanced path to God, including a mix of extroverted practices and quiet, contemplative practices. While extroversion has its strengths, it's simply untrue that extroversion is a prerequisite for success. Many famous people, from investors to leaders and artists, are introverts. In fact, people like Van Gogh, Bill Gates, Eleanor Roosevelt, Al Gore, Warren Buffett, and Mahatma Gandhi probably achieved what they did because of their introversion. It's estimated that about one in every two or three Americans are introverts. Rather than condition everyone to act like extroverts, it makes more sense to understand and leverage the unique strengths of both personality types. Hello, listener. Thanks for listening to Top Audiobooks. Remember to follow our channel here on the platform and also our social media. We have prepared a graphic summary with the main ideas and teachings of this incredible bestseller. Click on the link book graphic in the description to have access to a material where we combine the perfect mental stimuli so that you know and understand the great intuitions of the author. In fact, research suggests that introversion can be just as vital as extroversion. First, studies show that extroverted leaders are not necessarily more effective than introverted leaders. Jim Collins found that charismatic, larger-than-life leaders are less effective in transforming companies than unassuming leaders who put aside their egos and focus on building their institutions. Adam Grant also found that extroverted leaders tend to dominate others, dampen proactivity, and are stronger only in leading passive staff who don't show initiative. On the other hand, introverted leaders are better at leading initiative takers and nurturing proactivity, since they tend to listen and adopt others' suggestions. Next, solitude, or the ability to work independently, is vital for excellence in any field because it supports deliberate practice. To master something, you must improve yourself intentionally. Chess grandmasters spend almost five times as many hours as intermediate-level players in self-study during their first ten years of chess play. Elite musicians use solo practice to master their craft and treat group practices as a leisure activity. Deliberate practice is best done alone because it requires intense focus and others' presence can be distracting. You must also identify and master tasks or knowledge that are specifically challenging to you, and this is best done on your own. Solitude is also vital for creativity and productivity. 
Today, many organizations are adopting open concept offices, group brainstorming, and collaborative learning under the wrong assumption that these will enhance creativity and team synergy. Kane calls this the new groupthink. The success of online crowdsourcing has led organizations to model their face-to-face -face interactions after the openness of the internet. However, it's wrong to assume that online and face-to-face -face interactions work the same way. Great inventors and engineers are like artists. They work best when they can focus fully on their tasks. Programmers who had privacy and control over their workspace were found to perform 10 times as well as programmers who didn't. Excessive stimulation hinders rather than promotes learning. You learn better after a quiet stroll through the woods compared to a walk down a noisy city street. Multitasking can also reduce productivity and increase mistakes by up to 50%. Hence, open concept offices are more likely to create distraction than promote creativity. Reebok International shelved its open concept office when its shoe designers gave feedback that they needed peace and quiet to concentrate. Group work may also hinder creativity, and studies show that larger groups tend to deliver fewer and poorer ideas. This is because social loafing occurs as some people sit back while others do the work. Only one person can talk at a time, and people hold back their inputs for fear of looking stupid. In fact, studies have found that peer inputs can fundamentally change someone's perspective. In a group setting, the louder and more aggressive people also tend to drown out good ideas and opinions of the quieter ones. The only exception is during online brainstorming, where individuals do better in a group setting. This is because people are still working alone despite being connected with others online. People may also be more creative when they work alone in a busy cafe or city rather than in total isolation in the mountains. Part 3. Living, Loving, and Working Optimally Introverts and extroverts have different strengths and weaknesses. Neither is perfect, and we need both for society to function well. In the book, Kane shows the power of an extrovert-introvert partnership through a detailed case study of how Franklin Roosevelt's outgoing and confident nature was balanced by Eleanor Roosevelt's social conscience and sensitivity. Being highly sensitive, introverts tend to be more empathic, philosophical, or spiritual, rather than materialistic or hedonistic. They are more in tune with others' feelings, have stronger consciences, and hold themselves to high behavioral standards. Yet, being slow and cautious could mean missed opportunities. Extroverts, by contrast, are driven and glad to be in the spotlight, thus providing visibility, speed, risk-taking, and the ability to move forward in uncertain situations. Yet, being fast and aggressive, they're more likely to make mistakes. We'll now examine different strategies to bring out the best from both personality types. To maximize your potential, and be at your peak performance, 
seek to operate from your sweet spot and occasionally stretch yourself when the situation requires it. Your sweet spot is the optimal level of stimulation where you work best and feel most energetic. Finding your sweet spot allows you to identify the ideal careers, businesses, hobbies, and social life to improve your overall satisfaction and success. You can also manage the situation more effectively when you push yourself outside your comfort zone. For example, you can request for advance notice to prepare for speeches or networking events. Manage your thinking by knowing where you sit on the rewards sensitivity spectrum. If you're a rewards-prone extrovert, direct your energy to building things and businesses and inspiring others. But make it a point to pause, reflect on warning signals, and learn from mistakes. If you're an introvert, learn to be seen and heard in your natural way. For example, sharing your ideas quietly but powerfully. You can also solve problems effectively by tapping on extroverts' ability to handle pressure and diversity and introverts' clarity, patience, and persistence. Conflict often arises from a lack of understanding between introverts and extroverts. For example, at the end of a socially overstimulating day, introvert Tom just wants to return to his quiet self and recharge. However, his extrovert wife, June, desires his company and feels upset that Tom is so engaging with others but clamps up once he's home. The angrier and louder June becomes, the more Tom withdraws, which upsets June further in a vicious cycle. As an extrovert, if you feel your anger mounting, take a few deep breaths to calm down first. As an introvert, even if you don't wish to fight back, learn to take a firm stand and say, this is not okay with me. Use your empathy to consider the true meaning behind the other person's agitation. In social settings, place extroverts in the center of attention and allow introverts to have cozy one-on-one -on -one conversations at the sidelines. To stretch yourself, start by using these three steps to identify your core personal projects, since these are the most natural ways to push yourself. First, think back to your childhood and what you wanted to be when you grew up. Examine the underlying reasons for these choices. For example, if you wanted to be a dancer, was it due to the thrill of performing, to move gracefully, or to wear beautiful costumes? Next, consider the work that you are attracted to, such as the work you volunteer for and what energizes you. Finally, notice what you envy as they reflect your desires. Besides identifying your core personal projects, you should also find your restorative niches, that is, places or activities where you can be in character and recharge. You can draw up a free trait agreement to balance the amount of time spent stretching yourself versus recharging in your restorative niche. Set a quota for what you'd do to achieve your goals. For example, an introvert may decide to attend up to two social events a week 
then retreat to his or her restorative niche without guilt. Have an arrangement with your spouse or friends which meets your mutual needs. For example, an extroverted, introverted couple may agree to spend 50% of their date nights quietly at home and 50% out mingling with people. You can also enhance results by using a blend of teamwork and solitude. First, offer a range of work options, such as solo workspaces, cafes, quiet zones, and mingling spaces, so people can choose to interact or retreat into their private corners when needed. Second, assign tasks based on people's strengths and tap on the natural symbiosis in introvert-extrovert relationships. Third, improve learning effectiveness in schools through a mix of cooperative learning and deliberate practice. To nurture introverted children, don't force them to become more assertive or energetic. Remember that introversion isn't a problem to be fixed. Respect each child's uniqueness and tailor your approach accordingly. Since introverts naturally recoil from novelty and may be overstimulated by new people, places, and events, allow your kids to take things at their own pace. For very young children, facilitate the initial introductions to other kids and be around for as long as they need to feel comfortable. Encourage them when they take social risks, for example, by saying, I saw you going up to your new classmates earlier. I know it can be difficult, and I'm proud of you. Don't push them too hard, nor overprotect them. Instead, build confidence by explaining that their feelings are normal. Be supportive, help them take baby steps to overcome their fears, and be a role model to show them how to handle novelty calmly. Over time, your children will learn to reassure themselves and regulate their own fears and behaviors. Find topics and activities that energize them and allow them to meet people while still having their own space. Most introverts have one or two deep interests and the best way to draw them out is to give them a topic that's so compelling that they forget their inhibitions. We've just explained the difference between introverts and extroverts and how we can bring out the best of both personality types for greater fulfillment and results. This book is packed with many other anecdotes, examples, and resources, including details of Kane's research, personal meetings, and relevant studies on introversion and extroversion, examples, stories, and case studies involving relationships, business, finance, education, and famous people, such as Dale Carnegie, Rosa Parks, Mahatma Gandhi, Moses, Steve Wozniak, Warren Buffett, Eleanor, and Franklin Roosevelt. A contrast between Americans' extrovert ideal versus Asians' quiet persistence and a few simple self-assessment tools. If you've enjoyed the ideas in this summary, do get a copy of the book for more details, tips, and examples. We hope you've enjoyed this book summary presentation of Quiet by Susan Kane, read by Barbara Fernandez.
Hi, thanks for listening to Top Audiobooks. Remember to follow our channel here on the platform, and also our social media. We prepare a graphic of the book, with the author's key points and main ideas. Click that book graphic link in description now, and have access to an illustrated material with simple and easy steps, so you know everything about the book in minutes.